There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, Centauri and I were joined by Father Rob Clements, the director of the Catholic Newman Center at Arizona State University. We had a great conversation that went from his personal history and path with Catholicism to the challenges organized religion is struggling with, to his advice to young people and religion. You can find out more information about Father Rob and the Newman Center at asucatholic.org or stop by the next time you're on campus. If you'd like additional information or have more questions, click contact us in the show notes and we'll get you what you need. Thanks as always for listening. Remember to tell a friend. That's enough about that. Let's go. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me as always is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action today is Father Rob Clements, the director of the Catholic Newman Center at Arizona State University. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you as always, George. Centauri, who is your favorite pope of all time? Um, I... I mean, you're too young. You can't have that many memories. I, I, I honestly cannot answer that question. I do not have a favorite pope. Who's your favorite pope of all time? Well, can you name one pope of all time? Was it uh, Pope John Paul something? Okay. A number? I, th- I feel like that has to... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, Rob, it seems like Pope Francis is, 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 is a popular guy. Is, is he doing a good job? Oh. You know, he's a popular guy... Yes, I, I think so. I, I think that you know he's something of a jolt to a lot of I think a lot of more traditional minded Catholics because he he does kind of act in line with your podcast name. You know he does kind of act a little bit outside the box a bit, but I think that's just simply because he has a very good read and a good strong pulse on the times mm-hmm. and on what, what what's really going on, sort of like you know within. In the heart of humanity, so no, I think he's, I think he's spot on, and yes, he is. He is very popular. Seems like a man of the people. Yes, he is, decidedly. <laughs> so, and how how did you uh, how did you go down this path? Well, <laughs> oh boy, it uh, it's sort of unusual. My my whole life is unusual. I was born on a camping trip. No kidding. Wow. You no, know, no kidding. I was like almost two months early. I wasn't expected. That's why. That's why they went on the camping trip. Right. So you know, <laughs> it, uh, so a big surprise. You know, I think too, for whatever reason, just you know who I am, the whole makeup and everything like that. I just had kind of like a strong kind of, I don't, I would say religious bent, but just kind of an awareness of things beyond, even at a young age. So. I kind of rolled with life through teenage, college. College was a blast. Sure. <laughs> oh, what did you attend? Same as I. Best days of my life. Hey, right here at ASU. Great. You know, so I third generation ASU alum. And uh, yes, four years living over there at 606 Alpha Drive at the Sigma Chi house. May it rest in peace. But. Uh, you know, just uh, kind of rolled with life when I got out 
I went to work for a bank for a couple of years. No, I quickly determined, you know, look, this kind of worldly pursuit, it, I can't do it. I just, I can't do it. It, it doesn't fit. It's like fish out of water. There's something not right. Even the people I work with would be like, yeah, you know, yeah. So it's just like, no, I had it, I had it on, you know, I, I kind of knew at around age 10, 11 that yeah, I really kind of meant to be this you know, priest. And uh, so I pursued it after, after that. And I do remember, yeah, you know, I was waiting to turn my resignation to the vice president at, uh, at the bank. And he was like, you know, all these years, all these months, rather, you know, I've just kind of had this sense that this guy's like a holy guy. You know, well, <laughs> what you don't know won't hurt you, but, you know, it, uh, but uh, it, 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 so, I mean, I went to the seminary and the rest is history. Was your so, family particularly religious? Is that how it no, was? No, wow. not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, my dad got a, he got a track scholarship here to ASU in the 1950s, and he was raised in kind of a, uh, he was raised in a Southern Baptist household. He put it in the rearview mirror when he left home. And uh, my, my mother is more of a, more of an unusual you know, background. Her father was a, was a naval officer. Um, who was a survivor of the, uh, the Pearl Harbor attack? He was a medical officer on the Arizona. Wow! Wow! And uh, you know, I just—he uh, was kind of a haunted man, but he had been—he had actually been a practicing Catholic. But I think that event so jarred him. Survivor syndrome—that's that—that—that's the kind of the word that I was looking for. But I think that event just so so jarred him that again I just uh, it left him a haunted man so he'd be kind of in and out and back and forth and you know he died um, shortly after I was ordained a priest and actually I was with him when he died so you know he, he reconciled and gave him the last rites and all that stuff and had his funeral and, but uh, no I said sorry to, the, to your question no just not particularly religious background so this was unique and apparently unique to me, just as a person. So, got it. <clears throat> um, right, George, did I answer your question? <laughs> Good. All right. Excellent. <laughs> so, I think that 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 one of the the main parts to a happy life is strong ties to community, feeling connected to our our neighbors, and it seems like. In the past, religion, organized religion, played a really, really, really large part of that, but less so today. Do you? Why do you think that that is? I, there's a few different things that sort of immediately come to mind. I think obviously, clearly, changes in just like the whole fabric of society. Uh, the world is a hell of a lot different than it was a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. We're doing a podcast. Um, Fifty years ago, there were couriers, even. <laughs> right. You know, uh, so I think that there's been, I think, just changes in the whole fabric of just of just regular society. Second, I think too, 
you know, organized religion, I think, has really suffered from a tremendous crisis of leadership. So consequently, I think it's been, that, that has contributed, I think, to a large part to a number of people kind of having, I don't got a lot of confidence in organized religion precisely because, you know, it just kind of seems like leadership, you know, the whole direction, you know, the whole, the whole presentation. I think people are mostly connected to what is immediate, what's nearby, as, as you say, you know, community is critical, and it is. I mean, that, that, that's part of what it is to be a human being. But I think particularly, at least in my own experience as, you know, as a Catholic, when people think Catholic, it's huge. I mean, it's big, it's cold, it's impersonal. Right. But on the very local level, you know, that can still be very, say, your, your, your parish. On the other hand, Crisis in leadership, declining numbers of clergy and religious, all those sorts of things have ballooned our parishes. I mean, most of our parishes very often will have five and 6,000 registered households. Now, if you figure there's an average of four to a household, that's 20,000 people in one parish. That's not a small community. Mm -hmm. no, sure. <laughs> it's hard to be personal. It, it's hard to be personal. Hmm. That can be a huge turnoff. So, trying to find ways to kind of like even even here at ASU, I mean, good heavens! Ostensibly, there's twenty thousand Catholic students across the street. You know, if we follow the national average of a quarter of your population, but trying to connect with them, trying to find them, and then also too trying to make them feel like they have a home. Yeah, it it could be a bit of a challenge. That's a daunting task. Yeah. And you can probably only speak to Catholicism, but uh, do you, is there data to support that there is a decline in those actively practicing religion? There are. There, there's a, you know, it's called Pew Research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they put out some good statistics on this that I think you know would really kind of go. They, they kind of home in on exactly the data, the data that you're looking for, and uh, they do a good job. PEW. But uh, just go ahead and give that a turn here. There we go. Is that I it? got it. Experiencing some technical difficulties here. Sorry. That's okay. We will get it all worked out. That should be fine. Yeah. That should be fine. Um, so I. I, I agree. It's it's a fascinating thing, and we have Catholicism, which is you have something like seventy some million Americans that are Catholics. It's it's a really really big number. It is, um, but fewer that are actually consistently going to mass. So perhaps it is. There was a time in the nineteen fifties, up until really about nineteen sixty eight sixty nine. Ninety percent of Catholics were going to mass every Sunday. Mm -hmm. That is a huge. I mean, that that was a huge strength, you know, and and, and largely, um, the church especially provided kind of like a haven for immigrant groups that were that were Catholic before they arrived in the states, going back to the eighteen eighties, Irish, Italian, Eastern European. Um, you would find that so I mean, naturally, you know, the 
they congregated in those in those communities and really kind of really kind of galvanized the identity of the church in America. Um, after about 1970, though, that's plummeted. Right now, I'd say right around 15 to 20 percent is about what we see. Consistently go to mass. Lots of people will identify with. Yeah, I was baptized a Catholic, but I, I mean, I don't go to mass. Following Catholic, yeah. Lapsed. So, a lot of the time, what would cause somebody to go into and be an active Catholic or whatever it might be is just that that my family was. And today, only probably half of young people in America are coming from those traditional type households with a mom and a dad. And so there might be a correlation there, at least the, the information and studies that I read, that's a leading cause for why consistent church going is down. I'm right in the crossfire, really, because if somebody's going to lab, labs, if somebody's going to abandon practice, it's always going to be when they go away to college, mm-hmm. by and large. You know, 90-some percent of the time, that's another statistic we do get from Pew Research. It's going to happen. Then. Between the 18, ages of 18 and 30, we do find most Catholic young adults, they will drift to some degree. They're not as consistent as they once were. Um, some of it may just be like youthful rebellion, mm-hmm. which there's a healthy side to that. I mean, you know, it's like, look, you, had, you were forced to do this as a kid, and now you're on your own. And you have to discover what it is to be independent. But, you know, maybe make the religion of your childhood your own. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it's going to happen between 18 and 30, though. Of that 90%, though, that do drift, we also know this, 90% of them make some attempt to come back. Mm. Yeah, they do. They make some attempt to come back, usually when they want to get married. Mm. Makes sense. Usually when they want to get married. So are there any intentional programs to kind of keep, to bring them back in or engage those folks between 18 and 30? We do. Do our best. You know, kind of. I, again, try to find ways at least to connect with them on a cultural level. Podcasts, you know, they're tremendous. Um, making sure that, you know, at least you're, you're internet savvy enough to where if somebody is kind of like searching, whatever, you've got something they can go to. Keeping your name out there, you know, just uh, ha- having good, you know, having good programs. Um, Many uh, young adults will identify themselves. I mean, you, you guys have probably heard the expression, you know, um, I'm spiritual before I'm religious. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You know, just you can grouse about that all you want, but it is a reality. So consequently, at least when they come here, their experience is good. I mean, music at mass is nice. Okay. Um, Preaching, not too long. Do not get into finger pointing. Do not get too judgmental. None of that. We, we don't need to shame people, you know. But at least you know. Just I think being somewhat aware of some of those kinds of things, it does in in large part. It does kind of help with you know with accommodating that angle. You are to degree at well. There's no. There's no two ways about it. You are at ground zero for yes stemming that tide yes. of young people leaving home and and straying from the flock. Um, 
one of the uh, the other statistics that I read was how millennials are not really interested in religion in general. Maybe it is a spirituality thing, but some of the 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 reasoning that that I read about. Not that I'm saying this, Centauri, because I, as much as I love picking on millennials, I, uh, I try not to do too much. That they, millennials are they are taking a lot of crap these days. They are it's a lot. Very individualistic. It's always, oh, geez, there's always hope with the young. (laughs) So, aside from... Very individualistic, you were saying. Self-centered, narcissistic, jerks. I'm I'm just kidding about the jerk thing. (laughs) You know what, actually, I kind of see a a, a pretty common theme in them. Sloth. Just kind of lazy. I mean, get up, get moving. I mean, you know... They do. They, they at least from around here, I've kind of noticed with their students who are millennials, <laughs> you know, by and large, they do. They, they they tend to they tend to be introspective. They tend to think way too much, overthink way too much, over spiritualize. Out oh, grief, you know, get up and do something, which actually does kind of you know speak to. You mentioned they're not really that. Well, they are and they aren't. There's a desire to really connect with a tradition. There really is. Um, sometimes it can be really annoying. The other thing also, too, I find, is that they really want to be of service. They really want to do something that is going to benefit another. That, I think, is great. You know, And that, that really is, I mean, it's where Pope Francis shines, you know. Get up, get out, go to the peripheries. You know, be with people. Okay, there's no need to hammer them over the head with doctrine, doctrinal, you know, tenets and, and and laws and the like. Just be with people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do kind of pick up on that as well. And if you kind of like pattern your own activities here in such a way. I think you got a good chance of kind of dialing them in and you know, giving them a good foundation. And I mean, we're still human being is still creatures of habit. <laughs> Build up some good habits, they'll be fine. So, can you maybe through a story just tell us a little bit about uh, a student that you've worked with recently that is um, either come from high school, made transition to ASU, and has kind of struggled with keeping on with their religion, but through the Newman Center has kind of been able to stay engaged. Sure. Um, we had a student, he located here, located here from Missouri. And from where? Missouri. Oh. You know, um, I don't remember what. It's a suburb of St. Louis. You know, but he comes out here and, you know, he kind of drifted into Newman Center one day and he was just sitting at the back of the church just like, I thought maybe it's the heat. No, he was just overwhelmed. He was just, you know, he even said, I had no idea this place was this big. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know I can survive. You can, you know, just, I, I, again, just, you know, don't panic. Well, what, you just arrived here last week. You know, and now already you want to go home? No. Okay, look, this is, you know, it's not high school anymore, okay? So, um, you know, we started, started coming to the Daily Mass, and I introduced him to one of our, uh, we've got a number of small groups that kind of meet in places. Just, you know, take a chance. I mean, you know, go. 
but he connected with some good friends through here, and that made all the difference in the world. Again, community, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. finding some people, you know, mm-hmm. especially in a big place like this, and it is, ASU can be overwhelming, but in a big place like this, having at least the small, the grassroots, the, the place to kind of to kind of hang the hat, that's meant all the difference in the world. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, uh, I have got his wedding coming up. And they met here. Um, I've got his wedding coming up later in the year. Yeah, so. Good. That's, that's excellent work by you guys. Kept him here. You introduced him to his now bride-to-be. You don't need to hang around with an old priest. <laughs> Get among your peers. Get, um, you know, look, Catholic, you know, strong Catholic peers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they do. They, we do. We share values, but you know, on a spirituality and all that. But get among your peers. Do not be afraid of other people. You can do this. Right. So just kind of giving some confidence, just you know, a little reassuring, but also to connecting with, you know, into good endeavors. I asked a service of him that kept him down. That hey, listen, I need readers at mass. You, you got a great voice. Mm. You know, so get up there, get up there. So, yeah, you know, just call out a service, and I get millennials. They, they do want to be of service. Help so, to empower people, yeah. get them involved. That's just, awesome. I think just awesome. It, I, it is awesome. I just think a lot of times they just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So you do kind of have to maybe identify something for them to go to. Yeah. I'll prescribe a little bit of action. If I'm rambling, let me know. No, not at all. No, that's great. So I, we've we've touched on community several times and grassroots and getting out to the periphery. One thing that at least I've been seeing, this is anecdotal, is popping up all these community churches or yeah. these non-denominational churches in strip malls or even very, very, very large uh, sort of community churches. What's, what's your feeling or your take on that? Again, the, the need to connect with something smaller, maybe a little more tailored, almost, and uh, you know, to the extent they're clearly meeting a need. So, like the good Lord said, you know, who's ever not against you is with you. Mm-hmm. Encourage them. We do get a lot of people who will drift in here sometimes. You know, they're from other Christian denominations. They kind of shop around, you know. And they come to a Catholic, you know, they, they come to Mass, and they are kind of, it, it does, it is unique. It, is, it does kind of stand out, at least in terms of, in, in the Christian world. So we'll, we will actually get a, get a fair number of converts, actually, from just yeah. that kind of stuff. And again, it's a connection with uh, with a wider tradition. Yet at the same time, it's also a very small focused group here. I mean, they come to see. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, a Catholic's not a Congregationalist. Yet at the same time, I connect. I feel part of it. So, got it. We talked about how. Catholicism is this massive, massive thing. It's been around forever, and it's been... A million, three-quarter people. One of the most powerful and important entities that's that, that, that's ever been. Um, and the same goes uh, for other religious groups as well. Um, and part of me wonders, are they too rigid? Are they too big that turns people off that are going to more community-based, smaller churches... 
is it better to water down the original product or just move forward with fewer people who are 100% dedicated and 100% involved as a Catholic or a Jew or a Muslim with that organization and that doctrine? We have a huge debate, huge kind of rift almost, just in the life of the of the Catholic Church itself on just that very issue. I mean, you know, it's there's what's called it was a, it's a book too. Um, you know, the, the um, is it the Benedict Principle? But it's this notion that was kind of pulled, and I think unfairly, from Pope Benedict that we need to retreat, kind of like galvanize together, be leaner and meaner kind of like what you were saying, you know, let's not water down. You've also got Francis, you know, saying, get out to the peripheries, okay? People, you know, you know, he's right. Um, did Jesus have problem going into the home of sinners? No, not at all. You know, um, not at all. In fact, he could go to Zacchaeus's house and not tell him you're an ugly sinner. Just, he would just go and be with him. Um, what attracted Zacchaeus to him? Just the beauty of his life. I mean, you didn't have to say much at all. So, I mean, it, it's kind of this... Uh, by that I mean, do we, in contrast, do we water down the, the original teaching? I don't know that you even have to say much about it. Just be with people. I mean, you know, the more you fall in love with someone, the more you, the more devoted you are, and I think the more it means that rules, laws, expectations, they just kind of blend into the into the scenery. I mean, you're kind of doing it without necessarily doing it out of a, out of a sense of, of of obligation or shame. Or, comp or compulsion. I don't know if that kind of goes to maybe what you're getting at there, George. Um, I just have to imagine that there's purists out there that say, we're not changing a thing. This is the right way to do it. Right. And those that are with us are going to come with us. And those that aren't, you know, forget them. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, any, any Catholic who's aware, you know, of his or her religion is going to realize, first of all, <laughs> The Pope can't change doctrine. It's not his to change. He doesn't have an eraser. At the same time, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, at the same time, I also am appreciative. I remember Pope Francis once said, we are wasting way too much time talking about sex. He's right. What about charity? What about basic goodness? What about empathy? Things that are really endemic to you know to 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 the human person, you know, how come we don't say much about that? You know, it's just it's it's again it's it's a conflict, and again I see this in the life of the church, especially there are plenty of people. Yeah, there's the proselytizers. You're going to adhere to Catholic doctrine, come hell or high water, we're going to help you do it as opposed to the evangelist. You know, make Jesus Christ known. Okay? Be Jesus. Okay? Look, you know, take a genuine interest in somebody. Maybe their life's not in, in right order. Do, do you really need to point that out 
<laughs> right. You don't think that they don't know already that, you know, there's probably a lot in my life that's not in order. Well, okay, you know, look, just how does, how does Pope Francis put it? Walk with them. Try to accompany. And, and I think he's right. And I think that that is actually a good blueprint for, you know, for, for activity. There, I've got my zealots here. Oh, I do. <laughs> they want to hammer people over the head of Catholic doctrine. Just shut up. Just, 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 just chill. Okay. Just chill. the beatings just, will just, continue just chill. until just chill. morality improves. Yes, <laughs> that's right. They should, you know, have to be in confession, you know, every week. It, 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 not necessarily, okay. Just, just, you know, chill. just chill. Right. So I, these are just some of the things I just kind of off the top of my head I'm kind of seeing but I would say that's a fair assessment of you know the, the institutional versus the what we would call the prophetic or the, you know, the you know, get out there you know approach the institutional versus the evangelical approach and you have to have both and yet ideally they complement each other and you know they're not at war right now I think that there's way too much emphasis on conflict which uh, you guys I mean in your podcast I mean you know especially the whole genesis of your podcast was built on the fact that I mean it's a horribly divided nation mm-hmm. nobody can have a you know, good grief it's got to be all or nothing nobody can find good in the other there's no compromise yeah and that's hor- I, that's horrible I mean that, that, that's not how communities function no, quite the opposite. In your, um, you mentioned charity, and I'm curious. So, Giving USA is the you know the leader on philanthropic giving in the United States, and as you both may know, religious organizations are the number one piece of the pie where people give their dollars. So, can you talk a little bit about um, church and philanthropy, both from a giving standpoint, and then church and the outreach that you at the Newman Center does? So, the church is seen as the one of the places that folks or needy or disadvantaged can go to? And what does outreach look like for you guys, but also the money piece of it? First off, I mean, we, we do, we have to be exemplars of the virtue of charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that I mean, you know, a consistent theme again. I'll go back to the good, you know, to Frankie, you know, to Pope, Fran- to Pope Francis, you know. I will go back to him mercy, okay. being you know, willingness to overlook, to forgive, to show empathy, to be compassionate. Right? These are critical pieces. To, I mean, look, if those aren't in place, well, you can throw money. You can throw money at, ever, at, at any endeavor and feel good about the fact that you gave something to the right. but, but yeah, but you're kind of doing the right thing but for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. So I think, first of all, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to have a square understanding of, you know, it is good to be a human being. You know, what, what, what is charity all about? You know, it's, uh, it's rooted in how God looks at the human scene, you know, goes out of himself, you know, um, loves, that kind of a thing. The actual philanthropic piece, you know, in other words, programmatic outreach, definitely. I mean, just, you know, 
we're connected with Andre House that mm-hmm. in downtown Phoenix. They do it. They do some tremendous work with the homeless population. Uh, also, our St. Vincent de Paul Society here. These are more programmatic approaches, but your average student, they're unique things, but service projects that really kind of impact, you know, like maybe, uh, you guys, this week, uh, we are, our mission trip, or I should say, our mission trip is going to be four days at the orphanage in Nogales, Sonora. Who's interested? Um, run 100 students. Nice. Wow. Okay. Go to where there is immense need. And uh, we have a young nun on staff here, Sister Maria Jose. Um, she kind of puts all that together. As a side note, I will say, before she became a nun, she was on the Olympic pole vaulting team for Chile. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. When she arrived here, when she arrived here last year, one of the first things she did was, "Father, how can I go? I want to meet Michael Phelps. How can I get a hold of Michael <laughs> Phelps?" Because of course, you know, he assists with the swimming coaching here at, at ASU. So she just dropped right over the athletic department, and I, I want to meet. <laughs> I wish you could have seen the people in the athletic department. They're falling all over themselves trying to accommodate this young nun. <laughs> that's uh, you know, that's amazing. But, but she puts together some of those, you know, some of those service projects. But there's immense interest in that. You know, it, 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 coming back to our original topic here, Centauri, um, the uh, charity. Yeah, the, the, there's an immense interest in your average student doesn't can't commit to something every week, but they can commit to some, you know, to something episodic, 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 you know, something just like some special project. Um, one of our interns put together this tremendous project. It was uh, we had a horrible cold snap in December. I remember the year before last, and they put together these bags just of you know socks, all kinds of other stuff, you know that, uh, and asked the wider community to kind of you know contribute to it. But then just went out on mill one day and just distributed to homeless, you know, or things like that. Just things to alleviate suffering. Just kind of you know random kindnesses that like, that that is part of charity. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. We had the executive director of the Sigma Chi fraternity on a couple weeks back, and you know, and who is the executive director now? His name is um, his name is um, um, shoot. All the only reason I bring it up is just because Mike Church. His name's Mike Church. Remember all those years. William T. Brigham. Mm. Bill Brigham, he was the executive secretary for I executive director rather for years and years and years. So Mike Church is doing an awesome job. And in the past, we've also talked about bringing healthier meals and greater education and just healthy programs to kids. And it's just never going to happen at the global or national level. It's always going to happen sure. at your local level. Of course. How much, and we... I think that you reference it's um, different parishes within the Catholic Church. How much autonomy does each one have? Or is there messaging coming down? How, how, how does all that work? There are things that happen on a much wider level. Catholic Relief Services, 
they're actually one of the most trustworthy organizations to get resources to those in need around the world. Uh, you know, when hurricanes, earthquakes, tidal waves, like all, when natural disasters strike, usually even governments, they go to Catholic Relief Services. It's what happened in Haiti. Um, so on a wider level, yes, there is huge programmatic support for those kinds of endeavors. On a more local level, it would depend on the parish, sure. You know, uh, a lot depends. Parishes are geographical realities, so there may be specific needs. Uh, St. Timothy's, for instance, in Mesa, they just up and opened their own soup kitchen. This was 20-some years ago, Pazde Cristo. It's outstanding. I mean, it's all, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blueprint for, you know, for other parishes. I mean, and other parishes around the country have actually copied what they've done. Um, most parishes will have something in place to where they, you know, some sort of outreach. If, if only they have to, if only the St. Vincent de Paul Society may have a local chapter. But uh, but all, it would depend an awful lot on, on the parish. Got it. Uh, I was pastor of St. Mary's in Chandler for a number of years. And, uh, you know, that... Um, what did they used to do? They had a tremendous relationship with Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay, when I was at the cathedral... Twice a year, our youth group, our teenagers, would go and build houses in Rocky Point. They would go down for a weekend and build a house. I mean, they'd essentially put up a house for a, a tremendous, we'd have that, dozens of kids would go on these things. So much so that they got invited to go to South Africa one time to kind of to, to model what it is they do for the Rocky Point, and they went. So, it, a lot depends on you know on your local on your local parish and the emphasis that maybe people there at that parish might place on it. Which certainly makes sense. Yeah, because one size does not fit all. No, and nuance does still exist, even though we definitely. like to pretend that it does not. Centauri. Definitely. <laughs> Um, it, it used to be, and, and I think that it still very much is, that we receive our values via religion. And with fewer and fewer people attending church on a consistent basis or whatever religion that they're interested in, where do you think that people are finding their values? Are they finding their values? Is that a dangerous thing? That's a big question right there. You know, I... Every, every human being is going to have, I mean, what we would call in the Catholic world, every human being is going to have natural virtue. Okay? The entire, you know, the, just the whole blueprint for, you know, for a Christian worldview, so to speak. Find what's good, build on it. It explodes, kind of crowds out, you know, what, 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 it, what is bad. Goodness multiplies. You know, I don't know that we necessarily get our values from from religion 
so much as we might say from you know just from our own experiences, I mean, human life right now is somewhat fractured. I mean, even the family itself, the most basic unit, you know, is a, is is sort of like it's out of sorts, as opposed to you know what we might have been accustomed to again just a hundred years ago. Right. I mean, it's almost unrecognizable respects okay um, what does marriage mean these kinds of things you know they really have kind of they, they've kind of I don't want to say bludgeoned but they've definitely dealt a blow to you know to um, values you know coming to us from religion because religion often finds itself at odds mm-hmm. with with the lived experience of vast numbers of people, okay. Just trying to reconnect um, religion and the virtue of religion um, with just the human experience—that's as ground zero, yeah, as you put it eloquently, George. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, and I guess the reason that that I brought that up is because. I don't believe that a lot of folks consistently talk about values or consciously think about it, but if they're going to church every Sunday, they're at least getting a small dose of value and they're listening to value-type conversations. True. I, 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 I would concur with you. I don't think it's... I think too much... And again, I would say Pope Benedict especially was the one who kind of identified this and tied it all together. But I think much of human, especially in Western societies, is characterized you know, by relativism. I mean, it's impossible to have a discussion about value because values, because by and large, each of us regards them more as opinions than necessarily values. I mean, a value would have I think probably more a more universal meaning per se, but it's hard to engage in conversation or dialogue with somebody because again, well, well what is true for you may not be true for me, and uh, hmm. that's your opinion. Um, this is mine. That, that those kinds of discussions. So I mean, it it, it is trying to get underneath that. Again, just kind of reconnect with what does it mean to be a human being? That's so for folks who feel like, in, for lack of a better term, values, their values are misaligned with the church. They want to be Catholic for sure, this example, but feel like whatever it is in their life just doesn't align. How do they even take that first step of having a conversation with you or someone like you to just kind of figure that out? Yeah, what, what, what used to be bloodlessly called the dissenter. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, identify with being Catholic for any for a variety of reasons, but there may be actual aspects of Catholic doctrine I don't agree with. Them. That's actually it's very common. I mean, and, and again, what 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 are you going to do? You're not welcome here. <laughs> I'm sorry, the barcode on your forehead indicates that you are a dissenter. Therefore, I'm going to withhold Holy Communion from you. Yes, right. That's not how it works. Oh, that, that, that's not how it works, you know. And again, it, uh, 
just go back to basics, try and reconnect, you know. How can people, how can I help people kind of fall in love with, you know, so to speak? You know, just with Jesus Christ, okay, who's a, you know, good heavens, the perfect man, the perfect human being, and uh, kind of get, get beyond number of, I think, just, you know, unfortunate misconceptions, uh, you know, about him. And uh, you got a fighting chance then. You know, you really do. I mean, that that's kind of when, you know, I'm like, even all Catholic doctrine is sort of, it's ordered to love, you know, wanting what is best for any human being. Right. So, what are some of those misconceptions that you think people have about JC? Oh, good heavens! I mean, any number of them. They, you know, I, they, they run the risk. Of, you know, firebrand revolutionary. Uh, I've got plenty of people. You know, they tend to politicize it. <laughs> okay. Uh, or um, we, we have the doormat version. Always welcoming, always accepting. There's that. No, that doesn't line up either, really. Uh, Jesus doesn't let folks walk all over him. Uh, the, the notion of, exactly, the, the notion of, um, did the good Lord, you know, Father, did you think that, do you think that Jesus laughed? Oh, I suspect he did, actually, quite a bit. You like to have a good time just like everybody else. Are you serious? Serpents, brood of vipers. How can any of you escape damnation? All right. If you put that into modern speech, now we're on. I'm on a microphone. I can't say it, George. Very well. <laughs> use your, use, Very well. Use, 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 use your imagination. Well, it's imagination. But I think you know, just kind of exploding a number of myths. You know, I can. I, I'm not sure about these people on my dorm floor if I can really hang out with them because, you know, they kind of, their lifestyle is a bit unsavory, unsavory, unhealthy. Mm. Um, why, why, do, do you enjoy being around them? Actually, I do. Oh, I get it. You know, so I, you, you want to hang with them, but you don't want to appear, you know, maybe out of step with your more religious your more religious friends is that it well I don't know Father, that may be a bit unfair no actually I think that's right at the heart of it what is your problem who says you have to do what they do what you can't just hang with them and have a good time what what, what is your problem our Lord had no problem with that so but you do so wow I guess you're the higher tribunal mm. you know, mm. So stop, be, stop looking down your nose at everybody. Precisely. Yeah, fair enough. You know, you mean to say you can't find good in these people? I mean, beyond the fact that you secretly have a good time when you hang with them. <laughs> you know? Can we just be honest for a second, for God's sakes? Yeah. I said, gosh. Um, my, I, I, I've got some questions. So it, it's the whole awareness, and now, sure. now, now it's an action piece. So... Is it, is it your desire? And I think that I already know the answer. Um, 
are, are you interested in, in having people become Catholics? Are you interested in having people come to Jesus? However, that no, may come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And for somebody who's listening, or just just advice to somebody, let, let's let's use somebody who you probably come into contact with, an eighteen to twenty two year old. What would be your your advice to them if they are maybe just in a tough spot? They're not currently attending or engaged in any kind of religious practice. You know, get up, get out, get moving, try and connect. Well, that's that. I, I would definitely urge that. I mean, you know, find some community, but don't just sit around and, and wonder what to do. Ask questions. Do not be afraid to ask questions. Do some reading. Wander into a church. I can tell you right now. That will make or break the experience right there. At least we know that we we know that from from Pew Research, from statistic. Um, walking into a parish office, for instance, your average Catholic parish. Can I help you? Not a good way to greet somebody. Right. Mm. Hey, how you doing? Right. Why don't we be friendly? Mm. There you go. Welcome. Um, uh, are you registered in the parish? <laughs> no. Do you put money into the collection plate every Sunday? That's another one, too. No, that's, that's, that's another one, too. That's a, it's, <laughs> non-starter. You'll, you'll, lose your, you'll, lose your, you'll lose your inquirer or your shopper or whatever almost immediately. I mean, it's just a reality. That's just where people are, Okay. I mean, you're cultural Catholic, which used to be pretty common, not there anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just not, sorry, it's just not there. Okay. You know, to the average person who has any religious sense, you're no different from any other, except the fact that you might be bigger and more public and on the news more than most other denominations, but by and large, to your average person now, we take your leave you. All right. What advice or what can you offer folks who want to be involved with the church, but say, a, I would say probably parent or spouse has the reservations and are not exactly supportive. How do they navigate that? And how would you kind of walk them through that? Listen well. You know, what, what, what's the, what, what the three rules of thumb? Never promise something when you're happy. Never speak when you're angry, and never decide something when you're sad. Those are very good. Okay. You know, really, especially like parents, you know, people who are important to you, listen well, don't respond. Because, you know, here I'm also dealing with, look, a young adult is also an adult, and... I think part of our mission is, of course, you know, like helping young adults to, to, to mature, to grow up. So you do kind of have to start deciding some things on your own, okay? And you can't be afraid of, you can't be afraid of disagreement. I do think most parents kind of get that. I mean, it's, it, it's very rare. 
you know, overprotective or over parents overly concerned about their religious, you know, their kids' religious activity. By what I'm finding is uh, that's coming from from cultural, more a cultural background. Filipinos. I mean, you know, the Philippines is predominantly 90, 90 some percent Catholic nation. So many of our many of our students are you know, they come from Filipino families. Those parents are going to be very involved into what what is my child doing. Never mind the fact that he or she's an adult. You know, there's still that there's still that strong you know, clan family sense that uh, that's going to play out in that. Latinos, not so much, not so much. I mean, it's it's still there's a loyalty to family, most definitely, but it's not as pronounced. I mean, most of our Latino families are pretty laid back, um, but that's going to come more from a cultural background. Listen well, okay, but ultimately realize, you know, look, you, these are things you have to decide on your own. Excellent. Well, Satori, as our time is drawn to a close, what have we forgotten to talk about? Nothing. You answered all my questions. Thank you. Thank you again for being here. Father Rob, what else would you like to get off your chest, sir? I, this is great what you guys are doing. I mean, this is tremendous. We very much appreciate your time and your insights. Where can uh, where can folks learn about you and what you're working on here at the Newman Center? ASUCatholic.org. 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 We're rebuilding our website, so don't expect much you know, <laughs> for a couple of months anyway. But uh, give them a little bit of grace, right? Hey, so welcome folks, week starts up August 14th. You know, ASU is crazy. I mean. <laughs> I think first day of classes is August 16th. And then, um, yeah, we're off and running. I mean, Be here before you know it. Yeah, the, the activity year, I mean, summertime, things just die. But uh, the activity year, no, yeah, we've, we've, we've got plenty going on. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. And people can just stop by Newman Please. Center. I mean, lots of people just come. They just want to come to Mass on weekends. That's the other beautiful thing about Catholics by and large, most of them, they just want to go to Mass. They do. They've got lives. I mean, they do. They just want to go to Mass. So like on the weekends, you know, 9-11, 1 p.m. in Spanish, 7 and 9 p.m. We've got the last call Mass on Sunday nights. So we'll, we'll get a lot of people at that one. Nice. So, well, okay. Just, yeah. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show. Leave a review and tell a friend. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.